coming to you dead in front of a dead studio audience. 31 days, 31 podcasts. It's Helpful Snowman Pottoween 2023. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Helpful Snowman Pottoween Day 5, Episode 5, October 5th. Uh, today we have Mad Monster Party? And I say it that way because I, apparently the official title of this is Mad Monster Party with a question mark on the end. Which is weird because I kept seeing that and was like, what's going on? Is this like a bunch of people put this in the coding of their website title or webpage title or blog post title and everyone just cop? What, what is this? And then I found out it's because, because it's not on the poster, it's not on the DVD, but I guess uh, when you watch the movie, though, I discovered it does, the title in the movie comes up and it does have a question mark. I'm not sure why. My personal theory is that it was meant to be an exclamation point. Um, and somebody fucked it up, like maybe they styled it too hard or something. You know, they went, that's a thing when you're making a font, right? You, you want to make a style, you want to make a name for yourself, but also it has to function. You can't just be style. You also have to have functionality. And if the uh, exclamation point looks too much like a question mark, you're fucked. Anyway, this is a Rankin and Bass Halloween special. So you know those names from all those stop motion Christmas movies like Rudolph and You're Without a Santa Claus and stuff like that. And for some reason, and you know, we were watching, so I'm laying in bed watching this because um, I wake up before Poon Master Flex because she still has the ability to sleep in and somewhere along the line, I lost that ability. So on the weekend, I get up at the same time I would on the weekend. So a lot of times I'll just watch something in bed until she's awake. And I was watching this and then she woke up at some point and was looking at it and she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, it's this mad monster party. It's one of the Potoween specials. And she was like, I'm so happy it's Potoween time again. I can't tell you how much I love it because I'm a huge fan of this show and I actually pay attention to it. And I was like, yeah, that's a weird thing for you to just say, but okay. And then um, she was like, I want to watch this. Like, cause you know, she has, of course, remembers the Christmas specials and was like, oh, it's got those same, it's giving me those same vibes, those warm fuzzies. And I was like, all right, we'll watch it. So we watched it together. And I was like watching it, you know, and the first five, ten minutes, I was like, why is this one not as well known as the Christmas specials? You know, what happened? What's going on? And I have some answers. Okay, because it starts very strong, right? The plot is we've got Dr. Frankenstein, who's made to look exactly like Boris Karloff. Um, and is voiced by Boris Karloff, and I think this was his last time to play a Frankenstein character, you know, even though that's, that's kind of how his career began, and then uh, I think this was probably not too long before he was dead, but I'm not sure. But it was the last time he played that character. And uh, so he's aging, and he, in the intro, uh, basically invents an anti-life formula. Which is kind of what Darkseid in the DC universe is trying to do. He's always looking for the anti-life equation, which I guess is like a math 
equation that will destroy all life or something. It's not always clear to me how he plans to find this by, like, punching Superman. But, you know, that's, that's, at certain points with a comic book, and even a comic book movie, you gotta be like, well, it is a comic book. So, you know, that does sometimes explain why, (laughs) why punching will somehow lead you to a math equation. I don't know that many mathematicians do a lot of punching in order to get where they're looking to go, but hey, who am I to judge? I, I know very little about punching and math. So, you know, I guess I know little about both, so maybe that means something. Um, so Frankenstein invents this equation, and basically, by the way, the anti-life equation or whatever, uh, he, he's able to destroy matter. So he's like, I was able to create life, and now I'm able to destroy it. But it seems to just basically be a liquid that explodes like an atomic bomb or something. Which I was like, I mean, it's pretty impressive for like one dude alone in a lab to invent the atomic bomb in like the 60s. But, you know, I don't know. So he he invites all the monsters to come to his big castle or whatever. uh, Because I guess this is an annual thing they do. There's going to be a lot of, like, I guess or whatever in this, because some of this is kind of unclear. And he invites all the monsters to the castle for their, like, annual get-together, and he's going to announce that he's passing all of his secrets and his work on to his heir, which is this guy named Felix Flanken, <laughs> which is, I guess, his nephew. Um, and so, you know, the we've got our cast of characters, right? They all show up. Dracula... Uh, I'll call him Frankenstein's monster, maybe. And then Bride of Frankenstein. Now, Bride of Frankenstein is played by Phyllis Diller. And they made Bride of Frankenstein basically look exactly like Phyllis Diller. Um, (laughs) Which is pretty funny. (laughs) Um, Because, I don't know, it's like her mouth and stuff looks exactly like Phyllis Diller's, which is like, I guess, a weird thing to say, because I'm like sitting here saying like, you know, Phyllis Diller's mouth. (laughs) It's like uh, people are going to start thinking I'm doing ads for Adam and Eve right now. You ever wanted to fuck Phyllis Diller's mouth? I don't know. Here at Adam and Eve, it's like, yeah, you know, we ran out of ideas and we're like, well. What a, what about a comedian from the uh, from the sixties and the seventies? How's that uh, move your needle? <laughs> but anyway, um, so Phyllis Diller is like she's basically just Phyllis Diller throughout the whole movie. And in fact, I was reading uh, you know like a thing about like ooh, that's about Mad Monster Party, and one of the things was that um, so the monsters a lot of them are not given their universal monsters names because obviously they were like, we're not fucking paying them for that shit, which is probably a Rankin and Bass slash Disney tactic, right? That I didn't really think about, but they're like, you know, what's cool about doing a Santa Claus story is we can just do that for free. And then we just make up our own guys. We make up our own elf dentist. I don't know. An elf dentist? Mm-hmm, I don't know. <laughs> So anyway, they basically have the characters like Frankenstein's monster, but, you know, just to avoid any potential issues, they called him Fang, is what this uh, trivia said. But I think the actual reason they picked the name Fang for him was Fang is what 
Phyllis Diller always called her husband in her jokes, which I know because I looked through many years ago, uh, li- or the Smithsonian inherited Phyllis Diller's gag file, which is uh, 48 drawers uh, and a three-drawer drawer expansion, which is about 53,000 three-by-five index cards, and each one has like a joke or a gag on it. So it's basically this big rolling cabinet, and you can see a picture of it on uh, the Smithsonian's website. And they inherited this huge filing cabinet that must weigh, you know, 10 tons or some shit. And it's just Phyllis Diller jokes. It's all jokes that she just wrote for whatever. And I started thinking, like, I wonder if, um, I wonder if she wrote jokes like for Mad Monster Party because she had a bunch of jokes in the movie that seemed like maybe they sent the script to Phyllis Diller and were like yeah just you know it's like an early version of Punch Up or something and I did find so it's it's a very difficult to search file because you can basically only search through one part of one drawer at a time and there are like thousands it's divided enough that there are thousands but I did find a couple jokes that would have been they were from like 1965 1966 so it would have been about the right time and they were monster jokes and because I like to bring a little something extra to uh pot of ween here are the monster jokes monsters who needs mon oh wait monsters who need monsters are the creepiest monsters in the world it's, oh, it's like to the song People. So people who need people are the, you know. Uh, monsters who need monsters are the creepiest monsters in the world. That's basically all that's on the card. So I guess maybe that was like a uh, potential song for the movie, which we're going to talk about in a second. Here's another one. I saw a musical monster movie the other day. The high spot of it came when the heroine sang, I'm falling in love with something pretty good joke that's a pretty solid joke also i was like okay that would make sense that's from 1966 mad monster party was 67 so maybe she was working on some jokes or some songs or something um anyway so all the monsters show up and also (laughs) frankenstein uh baron frankenstein the guy dr frankenstein whatever has a an assistant named francesca who is a very busty, uh, red-headed... She looks like Jessica Rabbit, kind of, but more squatty in the style of uh, these characters. I found out... Uh, I was reading through you know, other trivia, and it was like a, a artist who worked on Mad Magazine helped design the characters for this movie, and so they blamed him for you know, her outlandish design of being so busty, because, you know, it... it it is a little odd in like a kids movie because she's just like ridiculously breasted. Um, but you know, it also it was funny to me because it's like Frankenstein. Okay, so Frankenstein, the doctor, made a secretary for himself, and he makes this uh, busty Jessica Rabbit babe, right? He also made a partner for uh, the creature Frankenstein, and it's Phyllis Diller. <laughs> And, like, Phyllis Diller, you know, circa her being quite old. <laughs> not, like, 
not like a young Phyllis Diller even. And it would be so funny because it would just be like, I asked you to make me a, a bride and what you made. You know, you watch the movie Bride of Frankenstein and she's got that crazy hair. But you're like, I mean, she's kind of a babe other than that, you know. And, you know, as far as Frankenstein is like a fucking monster. So whatever. But it's like, okay, well, you could have made a monster chick that kind of resembles Frankenstein. Or, but if you're just making whatever, you're making someone a bride. It's like, I made you a 60-year-old Phyllis Diller because I thought that would be what you would like. (laughs) And all, you know, because like the other thing is the Dr. Frankenstein clearly understands, you know, a preference for a certain physicality. So I would think he wouldn't be shy about asking the creature, like, let's say I was going to make you a bride. What do you want? And there's a sequence in the movie where the creature is watching Francesca, like, walk past his doorway or something. And Phyllis Diller, his wife, is like, oh, your wandering eye or whatever. (laughs) So it's just, it's great. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's a little bit of a spoiler because we find out towards the end. So, okay, Felix shows up, um, all the monsters are there, and Frankenstein's going to announce that he's passing everything to Felix. Francesca knows this, and she's not happy about it, because she thinks all the stuff should be passed to her. So, she teams up with Dracula to try and kill Felix, basically, take him out so that uh, Frankenstein can't pass everything to Felix. Um, but this, this takes a turn because, A, Felix doesn't actually want to continue Frankenstein's work because Felix is just kind of a norm, normal guy. And B, Francesca inexplicably falls in love with Felix for no real reason. I mean, which is kind of fine, because, you know, in a kid's movie, you don't need, like, you don't need a whole lot of reason, because it's like, well, I mean, they're just two people who are of about the same age, so sure. Um, they're the two non-monsterist people. But, um, yeah, they ju- it just kind of happens all of a sudden. Um, but then, you know, so anyway, towards the end, Francesca explains to Felix that she was created by Dr. Frankenstein. And this is basically in the context of trying to explain to him that although they're in love, they could never be married and have children. It's essentially, I think she's trying to explain to Felix that she has no uterus, (laughs) which, you know, is like kind of difficult to explain in like a children's special. Right? Because you're like, well, I mean, whatever. But then it turns out the double twist ending is that Felix was also made by Dr. Frankenstein. So he's also like a robot or whatever. Um, She's a machine and he's also a machine. So there you go. And also, he's a machine, but he was designed with like asthma. But you're like, why would you do that? That's like the robot in Futurama that they designed with light up acne. Like, why would you do that to a machine that you made? That makes no sense. But anyway, let's put all that aside. Um, I think I have some ideas as to why this didn't take off as big. One thing is, like, it's got a plot, but it, it meanders quite a bit. Um, I think part two is that, it, so it has songs, you know, like the Rankin and Bass specials do, right? Most of them have songs. Um, but the problem is, like, these songs are sung by, you know, like, one of them sung by Phyllis Diller, 
and it's just let me let me look up the songs real quick. I had it uh pulled up here, but I had a list of the songs. Mad Monster Party. Uh, cast, crew, music. Okay, so Mad Monster Party. That's like the opening song. Great. It's like a James Bond theme, but, you know, about monsters. Then Phyllis Diller sings a song called You're Different. And she's singing it to Frankenstein. And this song is fucking terrible, by the way. Like, Phyllis Diller singing, the tempo of it doesn't match up with the tempo of the music the whole time. Um, it's really weird. It's kind of like they, it's almost like they had her ad lib it or something. And then they were just like, well, we'll throw some music in or I don't know, but it has nothing to do with like, uh, you know, it's like you're different and you know, but that's what I like about you is that you're different. And it's like, well, okay, but it, it's not monstrous or it doesn't have any Halloweeny vibes. Our time to shine is kind of the same thing. Then you have The Mummy. Um, that one's okay. You know, at least that has some. But I think that song is like 45 seconds long. Then there's One Step Ahead, sung by Boris Karloff in a chorus, which is, again, just basically like, you could put this to any movie, any musical, and it's like, you know, you gotta stay one step ahead of life. Da-da-da, one step ahead of life. Otherwise, you'll feel like you're in strife you know, some shit like that. And it does have some visuals of some monsters doing some shit, but it's like, why is this in the movie? You know, it, it, and the last one is never was a love like mine, which is, uh, sung by Francesca. And again, has nothing to do with like monsters or whatever, or what's happening in the movie. And I think this is the thing. I think a musical should either kind of advance the plot in some way or like clarify the plot or like clearly be connected to the plot and or it should at least thematically make sense, you know, like it should sound like monster music. Like if every song sounded kind of like the monster mash, but the lyrics didn't have much to do with it, I'd be like, okay. Or if the song sounded like these, you know, big Frank Sinatra type numbers, but yeah, uh, the lyrics or the content had something to do with like monsters and stuff. I'd be like, great. Uh, but they went with neither, so it kind of has nothing to do with either thing, which is weird. I think another thing about it is the main character is uh, Felix, and oh my god! So you're watching this movie and you're like, Boris Karloff is Frankenstein. Great. You've got all these monsters. Great. Dracula is great. Uh, Francesca's voice actor is great. All the, Phyllis Diller is a little obnoxious, but she's great. It, she, she understood the assignment. And the only one that I was like really disappointed in was Felix, because he's so, it's like a Jimmy Stewart impression, and it's so boring. Felix is so boring, and his voice acting is really bad. I mean, it feels like they you know, told him to say stuff. And then they were like, add a half second of silence at the beginning of each one of his lines. You know what I mean? And I don't know. And then I found out that like the, the guy who did the Felix voice also did the Dracula voice. He also did several other voices in it, which were much better. However, all of those things said, 
Um, there's a great sequence where they have, well, the mad monster party, where basically it's monsters having a drunken, chaotic party. And um, then there's also a sequence where uh, King Kong shows up, uh, you know, a trademark safe King Kong arrives and does his King Kong thing. And there's basically an army of zombies flying weird flying contraptions to try and take out King Kong. And, you know, that whole thing, it just, it does build to a nice crazy crescendo that I can, that I can really get along with. But, um, I think overall it's just like the songs don't quite work. The story doesn't quite work. And I think if there was, you know, a little more life to the main character, I think if the songs were a little more memorable and catchy, I'm Mr. Um, that kind of stuff. I think it would be just a little bit more uh, memorable. It'd be more exciting. I think there was probably also a problem of it. You know, at the time this came out, there was a resurgence of monster stuff, like with the Adams family and the monsters and kind of monster comedy sitcoms. But I have, I think over the years, between then and now um that stuff has become less popular because you know kids my generation didn't really grow up on universal monsters right like that was we kind of grew up on 80s slashers were our horror icons and so i think that there's no reference uh there's a lack of reference unless you if you don't know who peter laurie is you're watching this and it means nothing or if you don't know who boris karloff is you know, the meaning is lost on you. If you don't know who Phyllis Diller is, you'd be like, why is this, like, Bride of Frankenstein given so much airtime? <laughs> like, it would, it doesn't really make sense. And so I think that's probably part of it, too, is, like, the Christmas ones are sort of uh, timeless because, like, Rudolph, Santa, Frosty, all that shit is pretty timeless. And then the other ones are stuff they invented, so it doesn't really reference anything. Um, but this movie references a past that is dead, deceased. What's the scariest way to say that so I can finish this episode? 